So in addition to this month uh, being our five-year anniversary at First City, uh, this is also the one-year anniversary, on a, on a much more negative note, this is also the one-year anniversary of the first known case of COVID-19 in the United States. Now, life didn't dramatically change because of the pandemic until March, but we've been talking about this COVID thing for a year now. And if you're like me, you're tired of it. You're tired of talking about it. You're tired of the effect it has on our social life. You're tired of the way it has cost people their wages or their jobs. For me, working with seniors in healthcare, that's what I do for my full-time job at this point, one of the things I have most grieved is the toll that physical or social distancing has had on many of the individuals we serve. Let me put on my healthcare administrator hat for a moment. I've seen many, many individuals lose physical strength because they're walking around less and they do not participate in things like group exercise classes. And so they have become weaker and more fragile. I've seen many experience mental declines, more depression, declines in cognition, because while while there is a limited benefit to doing things like crossword puzzles or Sudoku, am I saying, uh, Sudoku or word finds, the, the activities that most form our brain are exercise. That's me with my physical therapist hat on. And social engagement. I'm going to read you words from an acquaintance of mine who also works in senior care. The stories I could tell. It is sad. I have attended way too many funerals. The actual deaths from loneliness and lack of family interactions is heartbreaking. I've been the last human face a senior saw before they pass to heaven's gate. To hold the hand that should be held by a family member before they pass is something I will remember forever. So the Bible tells us it is not good for man to be alone. The consequences we have observed related to physical and social distancing practices, they have affirmed this truth. We were created, we were designed to live in community with one another. We were designed to see one another's faces, to see each other smile and laugh, even to see our frowns and our grimaces. We were designed to share meals together, to reflect on the day together, and to do that in the physical presence of others, not over a Zoom call or on Microsoft Teams. Physical distancing, social distancing, wearing masks, wearing gloves to avoid physical touch, participating in a, in a Sunday gathering through a live stream. It is not how man and woman were designed or created to live. We are experiencing something less than what it means for us to be human. So at First City Church, we're, t we're, we're pausing from a sermon series in the book of First Corinthians to, to reflect more deeply on a, on a particular theme that runs throughout the book. The theme of relationships. And in this series on relationships, we've been reflecting how God didn't make us to live in isolation from one another. He made us to depend on others. 
But because of sin, the, the relationships we experience are damaged and distorted. They fall short of what we were designed to experience. Those who follow Jesus, because of the gospel, they experience more of God's original design. So, so in this series, we've talked about how idolatry, our idolatry, impacts relationships. How sins of greed and arrogance play out in relationships. And last week, Pastor Chris talked about how sins of anger impact relationships. This week, we're going to explore lying. And we'll find, as we live in relationship with one another, we were designed to tell the truth. We were created to be transparent with, with one another. But when we lie, we distance ourselves in ways that cause hurt and harm. The gospel frees us and renews us and reforms us to experience something different. More of what we were designed for. Truth and transparency. So as we explore this theme of lying, we're going to reflect on how we've been formed to lie and how we are reformed in Christ to tell the truth. Now before jumping into that first point, I want to acknowledge the reality that some of us have been lied to. And as a result, we have suffered significant wounds for marital couples that have experienced infidelity, uh, for someone who has had a friend or family member living with an unconfessed addiction or unconfessed sin. It is not so much the action itself that is most painful, but rather the lies and betrayal and deceit associated with it. Lying is sin. Lying should anger us. Not an unrighteous anger Pastor Chris discussed last week, but a righteous one. We should be upset. The relationship was damaged. There was distance that existed and that caused significant pain. That should be something we grieve. This morning, we will affirm God has designed us. God has created us for something different. The passage we've been using for this series on relationships is found in Colossians chapter 3. And this morning we come to verses 9 and 10. I know those verses were read earlier and they were presented on the screen. But to best follow along, to be disciples who are growing and engaging God's word, I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app, open it up there and you can follow along. I'll begin with verse 9 and work a bit into verse 10 as we first seek to understand how we've been formed to lie. So the Apostle Paul says this, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. That word lie, more than just saying something that isn't true, it means to deceive or to cheat or to put forth a false front. This means lying is more than direct deception or a denial of truth. You know, you think of the child who is asked, 
did you eat that cookie? Or did you hit your sister? And they respond, no, knowing they did it five minutes ago. Many lies aren't so much a denial of the truth, but rather a distortion of it. Or even a way to distract others from the truth. Think of the kid who is asked, maybe this kid was you, did you clean your room? And they respond, yeah, which is technically true, but really means, I put a few things away, but not everything. Or everything is stuffed into drawers, so it, it has the appearance of being clean, but it's not really what you told me to do. My kids never do that. Uh, those are distortions of truth. A way we distract from the truth to deceive one another. Paul instructs Christians to not lie. He is saying, as people live in relationship with one another, it is a common thing to do, to deceive, to cover up truth. Paul is telling Christians to dedicate energy and resources to live differently, to consider what we are saying so we do not lie. In acknowledging it is a common thing to do, Paul connects it to being a practice of the old self. Now that language, old self, it means the self that was ruled by sin, the self that reflects our fallen nature. We weren't created to lie, but in sin, we have been formed to do so. So to understand how humans are formed to lie, Let's go back to the book of Genesis and see uh, what happened. In Genesis chapter 2, we read how men and women were created. We read how they were designed to live in relationship with one another. Here's verses 24 and 25 of chapter 2. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked yet felt no shame. So, so the Bible's telling us, as Adam and Eve lived in relationship with one another, they were both naked and not ashamed. Now, this nakedness was much more than a physical nakedness. It was a nakedness of the soul, a spiritual nakedness. Adam and Eve were innocent, and so they had nothing to hide. Two, two words to contrast what it means to distort truth and to tell lies. I've used them a bit already are truth and transparency. They were transparent with one another. They told the truth. They were honest. They did not fear being exposed. Could you imagine such a life where others had access to know everything about you? Your deep thoughts, all your past actions, Ways you have been hurt. To many of us, such an existence seems terrifying. But in this case, you would have nothing to fear. You would have nothing to be ashamed of. There was joy and freedom and delight in being transparent and truthful. That is how men and women were designed to live with one another. But after sin entered the world, their experience was much different. Let, let's jump to Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. 
The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Adam and Eve were no longer innocent. Their souls were now marked. Marked by past sin, marked by rejecting God and his ways, marked by placing trust in Satan, the father of lies, rather than trusting in the one who designed them, who never lies. In response, they were no longer free being exposed. They replaced transparency and truthfulness with hiding and covering up. And so rather than being close, they used fig leaves to distance themselves from one another. That is not how they were designed to live. So in the, in the midst of our pandemic, the rationale to physically and socially distance as a healthcare provider, the reason I wear a mask and a face shield and gloves, sometimes even a gown when I'm working with older adults, the, the reason we do that is to avoid getting too close. We're erecting a barrier. It's like creating a wall or a bubble between individuals so that if one carries the disease unknowingly, we do not transmit it between us. It's a similar reason we stay home when we have a cold or the flu. We distance ourselves because we don't want to expose others to a disease. We, we create distance so that we don't get too close. Lying, a lack of transparency, distorting the truth, it is a way to erect barriers or walls to distance ourselves from one another, to not let others get too close. You see, we were, des we were not designed for lies to dictate how we live in relationship with one another. We were designed for something different. A apart from Christ, we are prone to distort the truth about ourselves. We are prone to distort the truth about others. We are prone to distort the truth about God's creation. We do this because the old self, it is enslaved to glorify self and justify self. And so there are a couple of different ways people are prone to lie. The, the ways they use lies to distort truth or glorify self. On the one hand... Lies are used, distorting the truth, are used as a means of gaining personal prosperity. Maybe that's a prosperity of power or prestige or, or gaining influence with others and moving up the corporate ladder. Maybe it is a means to gain material prosperity, more money. You know, we cheat on our taxes or we, we cheat someone financially Maybe we do it to get a better house or a better car. We lie, we distort truth when we are not satisfied with what we get offering truth and transparency. On the other hand, we lie and distort truth as a means of personal protection. Well, let me give you an example of this found in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. 
The author is telling us how Jesus, as he's entering the temple, the, the chief priests and the elders, that they're approaching him and they ask, what authority do you speak? I mean, what, what gives you the right to say what you're saying, Jesus? As he often does, Jesus answers a question with another question. He says, did John's baptism come from heaven or was it of human origin? So the chief priests and the elders, they kind of pull back and they debate how to, how to respond. Here's how the author of the gospel describes their conversation. They discussed it among themselves. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the crowd because everyone considers John to be a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. That response, we don't know, or maybe I don't know, it is such a great distortion of the truth sometimes, isn't it? There is so much we could say, but saying, I don't know, if you will, wearing those clothes is a great way to hide. The chief priests and elders had much to say to Jesus about what they really thought, but rather than be transparent, they say, we don't know. This was less about personal prosperity and more about personal protection. They wanted to protect themselves from how Jesus might respond, questioning their unbelief, and they wanted to protect themselves from how the crowd might respond, becoming upset with them and losing their approval. So rather than truth, rather than be transparent, they hide. Distorting the truth is often a means to protect oneself from the ramifications, from the consequences of transparency. Maybe we've betrayed others. Lying is a means to protect that betrayal. Lying is a means to avoid being honest. Lying is a way to project a false self so others don't get too close to knowing the real you. Paul says lying, denying the truth, distorting the truth, being deceptive, a lack of transparency. It is living out of a past self a self formed by the fall, a self that practices hiding and covering up. In living this way, we distance ourselves from one another rather than experience how God designed us to live in relationship. So let's move on to consider how a, how a Christian has been reformed in Christ to tell the truth. To reinforce the, this command, do not lie to one another, Paul mentions, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So in, in telling Christians you have put off the old self, he is not telling them another thing to do. He's not saying, hey, put off the old self and put on the new self. He's reminding them of something they have done. They have already put off the old self. If you will, they no longer wear the clothes of a past self. They wear the clothes of a new self. The thing that has happened that Paul is referring to is something called conversion. When someone believes the gospel, when someone trusts in Christ to forgive sin, when someone confesses Jesus as Lord. 
When someone is converted, the Bible says they are made new. They experience a second birth. They are given a new heart. They were spiritually dead, but now they have been raised to new life. When someone is converted past sin, the guilt and shame we experience because of past sin, it loses its power. Galatians 3.27 says this, For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. So what marks the life of a Christian is not past sin. They have been washed clean. If you will, a Christian wears the clothes of Christ. So in providing this contrast between putting off the old self and putting on the new self, the Bible is teaching us that there are sort, there's a sort of clothes we wear spiritually that either create distance in our relationships with one another, things like fig leaves and lying, wearing the old self. When we do that, we experience greater distance. When we wear Christ, when we wear the new self, we experience oneness and freedom in relationships the way we were designed to experience it. Now, Adam and Eve, they were free to be truthful and transparent with one another because they wore the clothes of innocence. They had nothing to hide. But when sin entered the world, they lost that innocence. So the clothes they embraced were fig leaves to hide their shame and their guilt. Genesis tells us God offered something different. It says he made them clothing from skins. He sacrificed an animal and gave them something better to cover their shame. That sacrifice, that spilling of blood, pointed to a Savior who would spill his own blood that would forever cover our guilt and our shame. So we don't, we don't wear the clothes of innocence that Adam and Eve wore. We wear the clothes of innocence that Christ has given us. And so we are not defined by past sin. Shame and guilt have been defeated and we don't need to hide. We are free to be truthful and transparent with one another. So that day you show up at your gospel community or that day you have coffee with a dear brother or sister in Christ, that day that you and your spouse have been fighting, that day you are depressed because you don't like your job, that day you're feeling bad because you were angry and you lost it with one of your kids, that day you're tired of living the life of a single and you just want someone to pursue and love you, you don't have to hide. You don't have to put on fig leaves to cover up your brokenness. You wear the clothes of Christ so you can be truthful and transparent about all you're experiencing. I imagine there may be someone listening to this sermon that is currently living with unconfessed sin. Maybe an addiction. Maybe something that happened that you think, I'm going to take that one to the grave. My desire this morning is not that you would be filled with more shame and false guilt, that you would hang your head low, but you would come to the place you understand you aren't experiencing the life God designed you for.
you are wearing the clothes of past sin. In telling lies, in deceiving others, you are distancing yourself and isolating yourself in ways you were never designed to live. I long for something different for you. Because of the gospel, we are set free to again be naked in a spiritual sense and free from shame. To justify this, to support this, Paul identifies there is something that has happened, our conversion to free us to tell the truth. He then goes on to describe something that is happening in the present. In verse 10, he says, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. When Paul says we are being renewed, it means we are being changed into a new kind of life. This is what the presence and power of the Holy Spirit does in the life of a Christian and does in a Christian community. Every, every human being was designed in God's image to represent him, to reflect his character, but that image has been distorted and damaged because of sin. Rather than give God glory, a fallen image bearer gives glory to something else, himself or him, herself or even the created order. Because of the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, a Christian living in community is being renewed to again represent God, to reflect his character. So when people look to a Christian, when people look to a Christian community, a gospel community, or a church community, they will see the image of God more clearly on display. Theologian Anthony Hakama describes this in his book, Created in His Image. In this renewal of the lives of God's people, we see the image of God far more fully than we do in the contributions of non-Christians. We see God's image in its greater richness and wider splendor as we look at the Christian community throughout the ages and throughout the world. When we taste of the joys of Christian fellowship in a group of believers where there is total acceptance, honest sharing, and genuine loving. We see a reflection of God's love for us. This is the type of community we were created for and the type of community that we have been saved into. When people look to a Christian community, a Christian community that has been reformed by the gospel, they see a community that loves truth. They see a community of people tossing aside the fig leaves to image a God who exists in perfect unity. They see a community where God's love is on display, where people are seen and known not because of achievements, not because of what they have to offer, not because their lives are free from sin, but because they are image bearers of the one who created them. This Christian community is being renewed to image God. Have you been part of that community in your past? I am so thankful to have been part of those types of Christian communities. It's something I've experienced at First City Church. There's someone who acknowledges something hidden, something that's been in the dark, maybe a sexual sin, maybe an addiction to pornography, maybe an affair. People hide those types of sins. 
we tend to think they define us. There is much to gain and much to protect in lying. Sometimes it's not of that nature. Sometimes it's a hidden addiction to pain killers or alcohol. What I've seen happen is that when others are willing to confess truth, this disposition of truth and transparency, it becomes contagious. Others see what it means to be Christian. Others see what it means to be made new in the knowledge of the image of our creator. They see the freedom it brings even when it is hard. They see people reject the father of lies, telling telling us it is better for others to not know us. And we trust in God and his word and we surrender the lies. And people experience truth and transparency the way God designed it. Now, while I say that we experience this type of Christian community at times, other times we do not. Some some of us here pastors like me use quotes from Anthony Hakama describing the Christian community as one where there is total acceptance, honest sharing, genuine loving, And our experience has been something different. And in that, we become disillusioned. Why do we experience something different? So rather than experience honest sharing, we oftentimes experience people who close up. We experience sinners who want to remain in the dark and who want to hide. We interact with people, people like me. If I'm honest with you all this morning, there are some ways I prefer to hide. I prefer to hold up fig leaves so that the real me is not seen and known. For example, I don't like to say sometimes I doubt God's goodness. Sometimes I don't feel like I can trust him. It doesn't seem becoming of a pastor to admit doubt so I tuck it away. I don't like to say sometimes when I'm stressed and anxious, rather than cast my anxieties on Christ, I daydream about my next vacation or having a bigger camper or getting a different job. I don't like to say sometimes I get angry with my wife or my kids and in that anger I say hurtful things. I don't like to say I've been let down by others. I've been hurt by others. And so I want to avoid community. I mean, the pastor responsible for gospel communities certainly shouldn't say that. There are times, rather than engaging in community, I just want to run on a treadmill or run outside and listen to podcasts by myself. There's this reality that that some of us, we have come to the place that lying and uh, and covering up and hiding is a typical part of our daily life. I read one estimate that the average American tells 11 lies per week, and I wonder if that's low. Some of the high school students were over at our house yesterday uh, participating in a virtual youth conference, and one of the pastors made this statement. 
How many times do we say we're fine when someone asks how we're doing and we're really not? Also, in a, in a humorous sort of way, how often do we check the box, I have read and understood and agreed to the policies and procedures, even though we really haven't? One particular area that hiding and covering up can play out that we need to be mindful of is how our social media persona shapes us. I mean, it's often filled with information about a distorted self or a false self. It represents someone other than who we truly are, so we gain followers and likes and affirmation. To get that affirmation, we are prone to wear a form of clothes we were not designed to wear. So rather than getting closer to others, we become more isolated. We avoid genuine sharing. There's a way this plays out, uh, that uh, the other side of the spectrum that we also need to be mindful of. In upholding the beauty of truth and transparency, what I'm not saying is that genuine sharing is that you need to tell everyone and anyone every detail about your life. There's an expression, soul vomiting. And what that expression means is, I have to tell you everything and anything about my life that I think you might judge or look down on me because of. I need to get it out so that I can be secure. That's not genuine sharing or transparency and truth. That's not what Adam and Eve experienced with God and with one another in the garden. That's not what it means to be living out of a new self. Living out of the new self, being renewed in the image of our creator, is a disposition to be truthful and transparent when there are areas of our life we are prone to hide. It's choosing to deliberately be honest about those areas with others. Maybe it's a few people in your gospel community. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a spouse or a brother or sister in Christ. We are willing to lay our cards on the table even when there is much to lose. So that's honest sharing. Now, rather than total acceptance... Maybe we experience something a little different. Rather, rather than others showing us acceptance, sometimes, sometimes they pull back. Sometimes they withdraw. Sometimes they try to fix us like we're the project in the room. That's not total acceptance. But it's also... Not, not just a, a sense of giving us affirmation so we feel better. The friend who we confess something to that we know will respond in ways that offer false comfort. The friend who says, oh, I understand your struggle. Me too. You may walk away from such a conversation affirmed or comforted, but there is no challenge to experience transformation. That is not the goal of truth-telling, of being transparent with one another. That friend is afraid to be truthful and transparent and tell us what we don't like to hear or what we don't want to hear. 
Last thing, genuine loving. There, there are often times as we experience Christian community, we don't experience a, a genuine loving. Christians confessing sin to one another. Christians being honest about their brokenness and their unbelief. Christians weeping over the beauty of individuals experiencing forgiveness and grace. Christians being told there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to genuinely love one another. This is the type of community filled with Christians being renewed in the image of their creator. So our our Christian community is not built on how others interact with us, on how others respond to us when we are truthful and transparent. This Christian community is built on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit renewing us into the image of God. It is built on us knowing who we are in Christ, that we have been forgiven and we have been washed clean. 1 John 1.7 says this, If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, if we walk in truth, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. John is getting at this reality Christians are being renewed in the image of their creator. God is light. The three persons of the Trinity, they experience perfect unity with one another. And so as Christians are being renewed, we image this God who is light. We image this God who lives in perfect unity with one another. So in being renewed, we confess our sins. We walk in truth and transparency. We confess our brokenness. And in doing so, we experience fellowship with one another, the fellowship, the the relationships we were intended to experience. Pastor Drew Hunter says this about walking in the light. I used to think it only referred to obedience. But notice, the light is the place of cleansing. This means the darkness isn't just the place we disobey. It's the place where we hide. And the light isn't just where we obey, but where we come out of hiding, where we open up about how we've disobeyed. Walking in the light, then, isn't about being perfect. It's about admitting we're not. Truth and transparency, it is not about being perfect. It is not about making sure we use our tongue perfectly and never tell a lie. Truth and transparency is about letting others know the real you. Letting others in to your doubts, letting others in to how you prefer fig leaves. Truth and transparency is a willingness to admit you are not perfect. Because of the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit, Christians being renewed into the image of their creator reject hiding. They reject covering up. They reject telling lies. Those things are no longer attractive to one in Christ. In being renewed in the image of our creator, we long 
to represent him. We long for him to be known. We long for our church community to reflect more of his character. And we want to experience transformation and redemption that Christ, the one who has saved us and is making us new, that he may be glorified. Let's pray.